Inside Books with Breda Brown. Welcome to Inside Books, a program about the magical world of writing. I'm Breda Brown, and in each episode of Inside Books, we chat to people associated with the world of books, including well-known authors, publishers, editors, agents, critics, booksellers, and more. You'll find Inside Books on all audio platforms, and our Twitter handle is at InsideBooksIRE, where you'll also find lots of other interesting books news. My guest today is the crime author Olivia Kiernan. Originally from Kells in Meath, she moved to Wales to study to become a chiropractor and now lives in Oxford. While working, she did an MA in creative writing and then turned her hand to writing full-time. She's written a series of four novels featuring Detective Chief Superintendent Frankie Sheehan and the latest one is called The Murder Box. Olivia, this is a bit weird, but I I sort of feel like I know you, but I don't because we haven't met before. But I think the reason is because I know and I love your main character, Frankie Sheehan, so well. And I'm trying to figure out, is that testament to uh, the great character that you built up? (laughs) Well, thank you so much. That's a great compliment. And it's a pleasure to be here today on Inside Books. Um, Yeah, I mean, Frankie, to me, it felt like a bit of a gift, you know, when I sat down to, to write the first book. She she just appeared in my she just appeared in my head. I know that sounds very kind of wishy washy, but I had a very clear vision and sense of her as a person from the first book. I could see her walking out of a building in Dublin, and I knew she was distressed about something. But it wasn't so much it was it was the fact that she doesn't normally get distressed about this particular um, event that she just experienced that was unnerving her. That was, was that's what was making her more distressed. It was out of character for her. And she'd just come out of an autopsy, which was something in her line of work she had she had experienced many times before. But this particular victim, there was something in it that she saw that almost kind of was like herself nearly so it it unnerved her a lot that she could suddenly put herself very much in the victim's shoes and obviously we discover later on the first book that she's just um come through a very serious knife attack um a kind of brush with a killer if you like so um in that way she did feel like a gift and her voice has always been very very strong in my head and as the books go on for each of the books, you know, you have to create a different emotional arc for the character. Um, so that's always a bit challenging creatively. Um, but she's always given me lots. There's lots in the bag with Frankie to go yet. And, and we've had lots for each of the books. So hopefully it'll keep going. And are there any likenesses between the two of you or are you at total ends of the spectrum? I would say definitely ends of the spectrum <laughs> for me and Frankie. Um, yeah, I don't. I, she's kind of. I don't want to say aspirational because she can be sometimes a little um, on the on the very tough side, but I guess she's just someone who, for me, I know if I'm in really terrifying situations, and I mean definitely the pandemic has confirmed this for me <laughs> big time. I just retreat into a hole for as long as possible and then cover my ears and eyes until it's over. Well, Frankie is completely the opposite. Um, she's definitely something someone who wants to confront, who wants to peek into the darkness to see what's there, um, you know. And and she will wholeheartedly put herself ahead of ahead of others in life and death situations and and as much as I think I would love to feel like I'm that person and that's cert- certainly someone I would strive to be I'm not sure I would be that person <laughs> I think my survival instinct is too strong um so I think in that respect that's a huge difference between us and um obviously as well I think she's she can I mean I can be quite straight talking too but she's she's very straight talking so 
um yeah i think that's where the maybe the professionalism that's probably the the only thing that will connect is is that when she's she's got her game face on she's got her game face on i'm probably quite similar in that way and we'll come back to her in a while because i i was intrigued you didn't start writing really until probably your late 20s was it yeah, I mean, I've got little notebooks, I think, stored in an attic somewhere in Ireland from the age of seven. So I was always j- journaling and kind of writing poetry and short stories. And I was that annoying student, I think, in school where when our teacher would give the three essay options, I would write all three and thinking I was brilliant. I'm sure my teacher was like <laughs> eye rolling very much so in the background. I'm sure it was it drove him nuts. But um, yeah, so but professionally, certainly I didn't. It, like a lot of writers, it just and, and definitely in Ireland, I think we've that attitude. You do you like who are you going into that type of career? You would never kind of start out thinking oh, I'm going to go into acting or I'm going to go into the arts um, properly as a as a job. So it wasn't until I'd actually properly got myself financially and kind of securely on the ground that I started entertaining the the idea of going to a few short courses and kind of testing the water to see if I could if I could do any kind of writing of any length and so I discovered um these short courses via Google and just normal kind of means in that way um in West Sussex because I live in Oxford so this was a beautiful countryside in, in the UK um, and they were run by Greg Moss who's Kate Moss's husband and he does a lot of teaching and kind of tutoring of um, creative writing and actually the theatre as well. So I signed up to a few of those and I remember the first evening I arrived down and he just put this picture up and he said okay everyone just sit down and write for five minutes and then you had to read it out which was absolutely terrifying (laughs) but weirdly I think as the masochists and all of us writers I came out and I I just absolutely loved it and I just thought okay I'm going to do more of this and that's when I kind of he set up an MA afterwards and I signed up for that then um, a few years down the line. And did you start writing, I suppose, your first book during the MA or did you wait until afterwards? I wrote a book, I actually wrote a book that was set in Mead in Ireland, but it was much more about lore and legends, kind of bringing it into modern day setting. Um, and I'm quite, you know, it's not it's not up to scratch with some other books, but it's it's I'm quite proud of it because it was it showed me I could get to the end of a book and. Um, and that is a huge confidence boost for anyone who's trying to write a book. You know, lots of people say, I really want to write a novel. And when you suddenly get to the end, you realise there's no secret. It is just sitting down and putting one word and one sentence after the next. Um, so that proved to me that I could get to the end of a novel. But it wasn't until my daughter was born, actually. I think I did that MA in 2010. I started writing uh, my first novel, which is now called Play Dead for Me, It Was Too Close to Breathe, in 2015. And my daughter was eight months, she was eight months old. And it, it was just, yeah, I don't know, in motherhood, you, when you're a new mother, you're so exhausted. And then all of a sudden, I just had a little spurt of energy and I thought, oh, I really want to write. And I just sat down and started writing um, the series then. So um, it did take a few years after the MA to kind of hone the skills a little and get the confidence up to sit down and write it. And you mentioned sort of that, Frankie, you know, your detective sort of came nearly fully formed in your head. But, you know, why you'd obviously been thinking about crime and had decided you wanted to go down the crime route. Yeah. So, I mean, I remember I'd met a friend a couple of days before I sat down to write. I'd met a friend and he was doing edits and he had to kind of he needed some coaxing along and I said well I really want to write a crime thriller so if you start with National Novel Writing Month it was in November 
and I'll start at the same time and I'll I'll begin to write my novel then and that's what kick-started it but yeah I'd always had in the back of my head that I wanted to write a crime thriller I don't know if that's I don't know there's something I don't know. I always blame my Irish heritage. I just think <laughs> when we begin to tell a story, it just always kind of dips in. There's either ghosts come in or some kind of past trauma or you're in thriller um, territory. So I don't know what, why that is. But also as well with this with this book, I did explore um, the idea that it, with crime fiction, it's plot on plot, you know, but both you've got the plot of the novel, but then you've the narrative structured plot. And it's probably one of the only genres that you that you, the reader is actively engaged in the plot as a theme, as well as following the plot as structure. So I don't know with crime fiction, whether it's attractive, because the minute you open the book, the reader and you, you've got the rabbit to chase, you know, you're given the crime and you're both on the same page. And there's a very natural feel to that type of storytelling. You know exactly where you're going. You know what you have to do, put in the obstacles and then provide the solution at the end. So I think um, after doing the MA, my tutor was, he was so into structure and narrative structure. So I don't know whether being Irish and that just kind of all melted into one part. And I ended up kind of turning to crime fiction just because of the appeal of that structure it's nice and clean and you can see the arcs quite clearly um so perhaps that but I, I do tend to blame being Irish on that really just <laughs> heading to the dark side all the time and on that then why did you set it in Ireland because again you are based in Oxford at the moment and you could potentially you know have had a bigger audience for for the book there if you'd set it in the UK yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I've lived in over here since I was 19. So when I look to Ireland now and I go home, I'm, I'm such a tourist, you know, everything. <laughs> I just love it. I, I just, it, I've got a real kind of romantic lens now. And I look back in Ireland, which drives the rest of my family crazy. You know, the things that they, that frustrate them about the country are the things I'm like, oh, but you're, you know, it's so Ireland. I love it. You know, so, um, so most of my adult life, almost all my adult life, I've lived in the UK. And there was just part of me, I just wanted an excuse, I think, to go back there somehow in, in some way. So I now do it through my fiction, which has been, I try to get it back to Ireland at least once a year and spend a good little a few weeks there. And obviously with the pandemic, I haven't been able to do that. So the one joy has been being able to kind of recreate Ireland in some form in my novels and kind of you know, have an excuse to listen to the Irish radio every morning to keep the dialogue <laughs> fresh in my mind and um, listening to more Irish programmes. And um, so I, I think that's that's probably the, the real answer there is just, I just want an excuse to kind of revisit that and kind of keep my foot on soil in some, in, in some description. So how long did it take then to write the first one? The first one was really fast, I think because I'd had my daughter and I'd been so kind of busy in my personal life is obviously a kind of percolating time in my head. Um, so I, I wrote most of it in a month um, in that naf- national novel writing month. It was kind of a, a kind of feverish moment of writing and just kind of get, getting it down as quickly as possible. Um, and then strange, I had about a third of the book left to go. And that did actually take me then another eight months to kind of edge it forward and um, make decisions. I'd never written a crime novel before. So obviously you're trying to pull the strands together and you have to do it um, well because the readers expect to, re- expect to cert- the, the novels to finish in a certain way. They have to be, everything has to be justified. So um, that one was quite fast. But each of the books, um, you know, I'm on a year on year contract. So 
they usually take maybe six or seven months to draft and then you have the editing kind of process and, and marketing process with your publishing after that so the murder box was a little trickier because I'd started that last um, September October and I was going grand and I was about halfway through and then the pandemic struck and I was just you know like everyone else <laughs> paralyzed with fear for a couple of months and just couldn't get myself to sit down and write but it actually helped because it gave me a little bit of distance and I, I when I would, did go back to it I think in the summer I saw that there were certain things in the plot that weren't quite working and I could suddenly see the entire thing, how it needed to work. So, um, yeah, it's all swings and roundabouts. I think even when you're stopped halfway through, there's a reason your brain, I think, sometimes just needs to fill the creative well for a little bit. So. Yeah. And do you plot then? Obviously, you know, it is a a police procedural as such. So there is a lot going on. So I'm assuming you do plot. Um, I always answer no to this because it feels to me like I don't. I I sit down and it's more about the voice to me. I want to hear I want to hear the tone of the novel. I want to know um, like there's something it might refer to when you go to the cinema and you come out of a movie and you've got the end music and you've got a certain feeling in your heart as you're going forward of what type of film you've just watched. And so that kind of thing I'm always considering when I go into the novel. I'm like, what type of novel is it? Is this when the reader closes the book? What feeling do I want them to have at the end? Um, so that's I'm quite obsessed with that. That's the thing that has to come first. But I'll generally, along with the idea that's brought me to sit down in the first place, I usually have a few key scenes that are playing out in my head. I'm not sure how I'll get there, but um, there'll usually be five or six key scenes that I can see happening and I'll be writing towards those scenes. But otherwise, I'm not someone who sits down with kind of spreadsheet and maps out every chapter. I, I don't know how many chapters I'm going to have when I sit down to write. I wouldn't have a beat sheet where I would kind of be able to follow directly where the plot goes. However, most I think just because I've done an MA and because I've certain, it, it, it just ends up that shape, if you know what I mean. I end up kind of writing in that in, in a pretty good narrative structure Um but it's usually just a few key scenes and the voice, the characters are really important to me. And um, so that, that's usually what brings me to, to writing. Yeah. And we're on book four now with, with Frankie Sheehan. So was the plan to always have a series or was the initial one supposed to be a standalone? Um, I was kind of easy either way because you just never know. You know, you might want to say, I want to write a series. It doesn't mean a publisher wants a series from you. <laughs> they might be like, no, we're just taking the one book from you. Um, so when I'd kind of... I knew, obviously you're writing detective fiction. So the minute you write detective fiction, you know that if they want more, it could be a series, you know, unless your detective happens to die at the end of the chapter. But even then, you've usually got a team mm-hmm. of some description. So, um, I mean, with Tana French, she changed detective for each of her novels. So it's still kind of a series. Um, so I, I hadn't, it wasn't like a kind of conscious or, or something that I was kind of, it, really kind of pushing for but it's a kind of obvious thing when you write detective fiction but um when I pitched the novel they took the first two books so um that I knew I was writing a series so and you mentioned earlier on as well that the first one was called Too Close to Breathe but the name seems to have changed along the way to Play Dead for me so what happened there? 
Yeah, they just sometimes publishers just think, okay, in the market, this kind of title is working better. And a lot of these things with authors, obviously, though, my publishers are really respectful. So they always, I'm always in the consultation, but really, you don't want to go against what they want for your books because they know they know that side I don't know that side so they'd suggested that too close to too, too close to breathe I think it just for some or some readers who read crime fiction it doesn't immediately say I'm crime fiction so I think they just wanted to shift it um a little bit so now that I have more books out in the series so people weren't confused when they were coming to the first book they knew it very clearly sat in that market so they're, they're all decisions that generally the publishers will make on on author's behalf um, and and you're generally wise to to go ahead so and in terms of the publishing deal then was it it was a two book deal initially was it it was a two book deal for the first two um too close to breathe and the killer of me and then i got the same then for the next one with the third and fourth yeah. and what's happening next well at the moment i'm just having a little palette cleanser so <laughs> I, I think i'm going to be writing a standalone next and then hopefully i can come back so it is a book a year so it's quite intense i think when you're living in that world um, and I read very widely as well. So it, I think for me, I just need to be able to just change it up a little every now and then so that I can stay fresh for the series. Um, so hopefully we'll see. We uh, Hopefully I'll have a standalone coming out maybe in the year or so or the one after next and then back to the series after that. Or, or maybe I'll manage to get to at the same time you know so many authors do this I'm just looking at it going I don't know if I can do that but it would be good to try put, put yourself <laughs> under under pressure and will the standalone be another crime or a police procedural yes I, I just can't I don't know I've tried to write <laughs> romance and stuff and I absolutely love that type of fiction like I love women's fiction and I really love romantic fiction as our romance fiction as well but I just, it's just that darkness just keeps creeping in. <laughs> I can't keep it out. Keeps coming back. And it's funny, I reviewed your book recently for the Sunday Independent. Thanks. And I mentioned in that, that there's been a huge influx of psychological thrillers in the crime genre over the past while. And I've obviously reviewed dozens of them uh, too for the, for the newspaper. But I realised recently I was really missing a good pacey police procedurals. So do you think, have, have, you know, have we lost sight of that? And are people going more down the psychological? Route. It's so funny because on the I was at the um, Harrogate Crime Festival at the weekend, and our panel was on that that similar kind of theme. So a question came up, and it's hard to know. I don't know the actual figures, so I don't know are they selling more than police procedurals. But I think sometimes because police procedurals, they're usually series. So you're in it for the kind of marathon, not the race. You're there to slowly build readers over time, not there to be the big shot. You know, obviously it's great if you can be, but most of the police procedurals, and they're always in the charts. If you look at the charts, there's usually a police procedural up there somewhere. Um, but they are usually the reader, the, the not, or the authors who have had, you know, usually seven or eight books at least out and they've kind of pulled in that readership over time. But when you submit a standalone, um, each book has to have its own kind of separate marketing campaign. So sometimes it can seem to the reading population that because we're only shown those kind of standalone thrillers on their own all the time, that they're everywhere and police procedurals aren't. But actually the readers who are following police procedures, like any, like a box set on TV, they're, they're 
picking them off the shelves just as quickly, but it might not be in full view of um, the public, if you like. So that, that's my view of it, because when I look at the charts or who's actually doing well, there are, there are always police procedurals and series books um, in those top numbers. But the more showy, I guess, showy books are generally books that are, are not connected to a series. And that, that usually is just kind of, again, marketing strategies. They, they need that because it's a one shot thing. But when you've got characters that readers are desperate to know what happens next, they've already pre-ordered and bought those books before they're out on the shelves generally. So, And in, in terms of marketing strategy, as you're talking about there, I mean, obviously, you've got a, a captivated market in Ireland, given given your background. So how are you getting on in the UK? I think it's going okay. I mean, I'm just one of those. I just don't want to, I, I don't ask. <laughs> that sounds terrible. But, um, you know, because I felt like I had two bites of the cherries because, you know, I was like, I was going, okay, it's I, everyone's going to be sick of me saying, oh, I'm published again <laughs> with this book because it was out on the 8th of July. So I was tweeting about it then. And then on the 20, 22nd, it came out to, over here in the UK and hardback. But it was incredibly moving. Like so many people and readers and bloggers and reviewers and then I had such lovely reviews in the newspapers and certainly from yourself as well and honestly I was really touched by it because I was like god it's my fourth time around and there's so much lovely energy behind this so to me it feels like it was I felt like it went really well on Thursday and people seem to be enjoying the book so hopefully it'll keep keep going that way. (laughs) And do you keep track of some of the other brilliant Irish crime writing authors that we have here? Yeah, of course. I mean, we're we're all we all kind of, you know, push each other as much as possible. I think Catherine Ryan Howard has another she's got another great book coming out in August, 56 Days. Um, and Joe Spain, of course, is just absolute workhorse. Um, I should say racehorse because she's <laughs> nothing workhorse about Joe, but she's absolutely brilliant. And um, yeah, so we, we all try to support each other as much as possible and um I think it's because we're we're part of that kind of wave it doesn't seem so new anymore because it's obviously been the last decade or so but Ireland doesn't have the same history in crime fiction as say the UK and the states do for some reason it was just not something that we have that long kind of golden age era back then of of um authors who are writing crime thrillers or police procedure or detectives um so it feels quite special, I think. And also as well, because there's so many female crime authors, um, that also feels very special. So I, I think we do tend to try to support each other as much as possible in that way. Yeah. So when are we going to see Frankie Sheehan back on the shelves? I hope maybe the year after next, I think. I hope if it goes to plan, but you never know. You don't have a say in these things. <laughs> you have to wait for your publisher to give green lights. So. Well, we'll be um, we'll be looking forward to it. I, I'm I'm definitely looking back to looking forward to getting back to her as soon as already. Like even I'm I'm kind of part way through the new book and I'm I'm begin I can feel my brain. Um, kind of thinking about plots for for Frankie to deal with. Poor Frankie. (laughs) She's probably going to have a mega one to deal with by the time I get back to her. Olivia Kiernan, thank you for joining us here on Inside Books and you'll find Olivia's latest book, The Murder Box, online or at your local bookshop now. The next episode of Inside Books will be out soon. Just keep an eye on our Twitter feed for details. The handle is at InsideBooksIRE. And if you want to hear other episodes, just search for us on the various audio platforms and don't forget to leave us a rating or review. I'm Brita Brown. Until next time, keep reading. Inside Books is a unique media production.